G'day guys and welcome to The Stubborn Optimist. Now what is a stubborn optimist? Well, in today's crazy modern world it can be hard to find the silver lining. The stubborn Optimist is here to give you another outlook on life. Covering a range of different topics with the special guest of the week, we seek to give you the information to formulate your own opinion find a way to be just that little bit happier. So fill your glass up now with The Stubborn Optimist. Hello. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, welcome to The Stubborn Optimist, episode three. Episode, th- wow. Where was it 3.5? There was a part two in there. There was somewhere. a part two in there, but that's still part of one, so this is three. Yeah. Three. Oh. Three, a creative number. Well, I'm Jordan Roberts, technical and, uh, director and co-host, yes. and the host is... Charles Jazz Terrier. But I also, you are also the host too. The host, you need to give yeah. yourself some more credit. You, this is not, you're not just the technical director host. You are also the host. The host, yeah, yeah. You're bringing That's... more to the table than <laughs> I am in this relationship. Yeah, but I'm just more humble. Yeah, That's yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm playing right. the moral high ground here. I feel like, I feel like I'm being humble by giving you a... <laughs> We're both just we're, so humble. We're both so great. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Uh, well, this is interesting because I did say that just at the opening three, the creative number. Someone said that to me once very long ago, and I remember looking it up, and apparently three, I could be very, very wrong, but apparently three is the number of creativity, which is interesting because this week we are talking about, it's very broad topics, but in a very specific way. We're talking about movies and music as a form of, I guess you'd say, influence. Yeah, a form you know, of development. A form of development, like a, yeah, yeah. So how self-development through pop culture you know um your tastes your tastes the media you consume exactly how How do movies yeah how do movies uh influence you growing up are there key lessons in there that you know maybe you didn't pick up through your family or through your everyday life that a movie or music imbued on you you know why do we like the movies we like why do we like the music we like why does that have such meaning to us Speaking of music, the uh, and the number three, it, you're a guitarist. You would know that Jack White's obsessed with the number three. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, I, I do now. Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> no, Third no, Man yeah. Records. Yes, it's true. Um, all his merchandise has a three on it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, his house is a museum, and he's oh. since moved down to Nashville. Apparently, yeah, yeah, he's been. That's where Third Man Records is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it used to be in Detroit. They moved ah, it. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, um, yeah, I think in an interview he discusses, mm. um, like, it was set up because the upholstery, he used to work as an upholster- upholsterist, mm. and I think it was called Third Man Upholstery, but then oh. at the same time, he I could be wrong on that, but then he had this mantra in his head, and it's like, mm. everything that you need to upholster requires, like, three points of mm. contact, and he's mm. like took that to everything in his life and it's just like everything needs to have three yep. points of difference to uh, become a whole or be held up correctly well they it's do also talk about the thing of like the rule of three which yeah. as i just type it out here let's just get an idea so what does the rule of three state uh okay so proponents of the rule of three state that things are more engaging satisfying more effectively presented when using this rule well that's <laughs> that's not helpful well, at all. It, you've done improv classes before. <laughs> Comedy comes in threes. It you does, don't repeat yeah. the joke more than opening. three times yeah, unless yeah, yeah. you're like purposefully trying to make it. It's true. It's true. Ah, so here we are. So, um, yeah, the writing principle that suggests that a trio of events or characters is more humorous, satisfying, or effective than other numbers. The audience of this form of text is also thereby 
uh, more likely to remember the information conveyed because having three entities combines both brevity and rhythm with having the smallest amount of information to create a pattern. So it makes the author or the speaker appear knowledgeable. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. uh, while being both simple and catchy. So hence we have the three little pigs, the three billy goats gruff, the three musketeers. Mm. And uh, the Latin phrase, uh, I'm going to try and say this, omni trium perfectum, which means everything that comes in threes is perfect or every set of three is complete. Very nice. Wow. Mm. Have we just a tripod. Yeah. <laughs> have we just alienated a whole crowd of people? <laughs> just yeah, well, yeah. My life shall live in threes. Well, think now. about it this way. There's you and me. We're two and the listener makes three. Oh, yeah. Boom. Bang. No. Um, so, all right. So, let's let's dive in then. So, yeah, we've, thrown, we've thrown Jack White out there with three. Yeah. So, I guess, you know, let's start with this. Well, um, let's, let's start from the start. What was your first ever sort of... I I would say like musical purchase. You know, everybody buys their first album. Yeah. Like not the first one that you were given, but the first one you actively went out and were like, yeah. I want to buy this album. Very Did different. You? Yeah. Uh, so again, I'll give you both. The first one I was ever given, this is a doozy, uh, all time smash hit was Lou Beager's Mambo Number no. Five. <laughs> <laughs> Sign of the time. Oh. Fantastic. That tune goes off. I will yep. not hear a bad word no, no, about no, no. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Mambo number five. It's great. And then Bob the Builder just ripped it off and made his own version of <laughs> Dizzy and Wizzy and <laughs> Skizzy and Yeah, Lizzy. that's what that's it was. Yeah. Is he having sex with the trucks? Is that yeah, what he's I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but um, poor children. <laughs> <laughs> Gives it a whole new meaning. Yeah. Bob is building something back there. <laughs> um, but no, the first one I, I went out He's building a criminal record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's checking it twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the first one I went out and bought was, and I'm 99.99% I'm sure this is correct, but it was Queen, um, oh. The Greatest Hits. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. And um, I loved it. And I still love it to this day. And I mean, naturally, I love Bohemian Rhapsody. Everyone does. Yeah. Even if you hate it, you love it because you know all the words. But I think the song that really stuck out to me at the time was You're My Best Friend. Oh, uh, yeah. Which I think was very indicative of the place that I was in my life at the time, which I think I was probably 11 or 12 <laughs> at that point, And I just felt very lonely. Um, like, and Freddie Mercury, I want to be You understand friend. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a bit of that going on. Um, I mean, the other one I loved was, and again, very indicative, was uh, Somebody to Love. <laughs> I thought you were about to be like, mm. fat bottom girl. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ass. That's what <laughs> as I got older. <laughs> no, 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 with somebody to love. Um and oh, you, you're the saddest little I know, I was the I ever saddest, did see. saddest little boy. I was also very androgynous looking, so probably very confused. Uh, okay. But uh <laughs> but no, I mean yeah, I, I think that was very much the case of you know, uh and this will tie in with the next episode which talks about, you know, childhood development and, and high school and those sorts mm -hmm. of things. But I think particularly, yeah, at that time, I mean, I had friends, I was loved, I had a great family, all that sort of stuff, don't get me wrong. But I think particularly at that time, and it goes back to what we were talking about in the first episode when I had that planetarium incident, I was just very insular because I'd become very much afraid of things I couldn't control. Mm. And the idea of, you're my best friend, you know, when things turn out bad, um, I know I'll never be lonely, I think was yeah, the lyrics. Yeah, like something solid It felt there quite comforting. And even, it wasn't so much like Freddie Mercury's My Friend. It was just like, it's nice to have a song that I can think about and attach my own memories and meaning to to give me mm. comfort. And it was the same thing with Somebody to Love. I think that was very much the first instance where I was 
kind of fall into that pitfall where we idolize the concept of love without really knowing what it is. Yeah. And that becomes our idea as we develop of like, love is what these songs say it is. So when you have a crush, it's like, yeah. that must be it. I'm getting the feeling they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, this is love. Yeah, and then as you sort of get older, you start to realize, no, it, it, it's a broad spectrum of different things. It's different to everyone. It might be the Hollywood hot pink romance love. It might be, you know, the kind of, I'm there for you through thick and thin, the familial type love, the friend love, romantic, et cetera, you know? Yeah. Um, but what about you? Let's, I, I want to ask you. Mine was the first ever, oh, mine is just not that deep at all. Uh, my, let's, let's find uh, out. The first ever, I remember the first ever single that I asked to get because I mm-hmm. wasn't getting like any money when I was young. So I would have been like seven, eight years old when. I mean, uh, I stole my record. <laughs> well done. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Don't come after uh, the police. Yeah. Like, please EMI records. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming. Uh, yep. No, it was Clint Eastwood uh, oh. by Gorillaz, which, ah. is, which is a pretty cool first purchase, I think. Yeah. Um, it just shows exactly where my head went for a second. I was like, I did not know Clint Eastwood made music. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm surprised. Like, yeah. All right. You guys ready for this? <laughs> You feel lucky, do you, Punk? Long and winding <laughs> It's all just spoken word Beatles covers. myself today. <laughs> he would, uh, yeah, he would just make like Johnny Cash yeah, country yeah. tunes. But no, it was Clint Eastwood, and I think it was entirely off the fact that I was a kid and I liked cartoons, and it was like sort of big, dark, and spooky. And like, Gorillas were fascinating growing yeah. up. Yeah. Odd the music videos is what I lived for more than the music. And then I was drawn in through the music videos into the music. Yeah, and then the music is strange for pop music, especially mm. back then. Like, it's strange. It's like, it would be like big hooks and super catchy yeah. choruses. Yeah. And then like... You know, some real melancholic verses mm. and like often like anti disestablishment or anti establishment, mm. um, uh, like rap verses mm. thrown in between or really sort of alternative rap verses yeah. that weren't exactly safe, yeah, thrown in there. Like, um, I think like Dirty Harry has a really weird rap verse and it just like comes out of nowhere. Let's have a look. Uh, I don't know if we can, you can't put it on. No, I'm not gonna put it on, I'm just gonna read. Look at the lyrics. Oh, I'm maybe. not sure about the lyrics, but... Oh, okay, we got yeah, it. Oh, okay. The, yes, okay, uh, no, 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 yes. Well, well, just just to be safe, we won't draw ourselves into a copyright legal <laughs> battle with, with the gorillas. With the gorillas. <laughs> um, but, but, okay, all right. But so then after that, oh, yes, yes, yes. I think uh, the first band that I was, like, properly obsessed with mm. was Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah, I, good. I had, like, little phase, and I would, like, listen to, you know, like, sort of that preteen emo-ish phase where you're, like, oh, Matt listening Merle to Good there. Charlotte and a little bit yeah. of My Chemical Romance. Oh, man, My Chemical Romance? Yeah, yeah all day. The all Black Parade, day. the whole album. Oh, that's still good. That, like, teenagers... What do you think I listen to in the gym? <laughs> and Welcome to the Black Parade uh, still slap. Yeah. They slap hard. Oh. But, um... No, it, then, then at the same time, it was really weird because I was still listening to that music and then I bought like the Mothership Led Zeppelin like Best mm. Of yep. album. Yep. And that just like sent me on this spiral of mm. being obsessed with like 70s rock and roll. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Since I've Been Loving You is probably one of my all-time oh. favorite songs. Actually, I like that song until someone pointed out, I don't want to ruin it for you. It's just ruin it for uh, me. But on. if you listen to it on good headphones, yeah. you can hear John Bonham, the drummer's foot pedal squeak yeah. when he uses it. Well, you're more of an audiophile than I am. And but, every time I hear yeah. that now, I'm just like, because oh. uh, it's, it's like a real nice, yeah. smooth, sexy song yeah. and then just 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then that led me on this trail. Of, like that defined my personality for mm. like the better end of high school. So you and I have a very similar musical taste in our upbringing by the yeah. sounds of it besides the whole mambo number five yeah. thing um because i i was similar you know like queen was the first one i bought but that was kind of i'd say say the first instance where i stepped into buying music for myself and mm. picking my own taste you know my dad was and still is to this big day a massive frank zappa fan Oh really? Yeah, okay. he's a very arty man. Yeah, so that yeah. makes that makes sense. Yeah, and I saw uh, might be Dweezil to uh, Montana. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I saw Zappa play Zappa when I was fifteen at the Hamer Hall, which was pretty really? cool. Yeah, I went with my dad and my best friend, and that was really cool. And and the first, it's like the first concert that I ever chose to go to. Yeah. First concert I ever went to was Dido, <laughs> because <laughs> mum. Was was friends with. She's like, I need someone to go. None of my no, friends no, no, are no. going. Come no, to Dido with no, 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 no. Mum was friends with her manager, so I went oh. backstage and I got to meet her afterwards. And there's this wow. very embarrassing photo of me blushing quite heavily because <laughs> Mum made this whole point of Mum loved her so much, but yeah. I was the biggest fan, so I had to get the photo, oh, not Mum. Oh, I see. But I did get. But one of the cool things that happened was there was a, uh, I guess you'd say a diorama of a giant silver chair which was used by Silverchair when they were on their diorama tour, which oh. they would have on oh. stage with them. And I got to oh. sit in that. So that was pretty cool. Damn, but the first you. concert that I ever chose to go to, and I made my whole family come with me, was Eric Clapton. Ah, oh, very cool. And he did a lot of cream, very cool. which was awesome. Um, but, you know, I was, yeah, like you going into your Led Zeppelin days, I used to fall asleep to Since I've Been Loving You and that album, mm, Led Zeppelin number three. two and three and four. In particular, um, I have a signed copy of uh, three. Ooh. Yeah, but it's a disaster. Signed by who? Uh, everyone, everyone, <laughs> I have no uh, idea who it's everyone signed by. Everyone but Bonham. Oh, okay. um, yeah. But it's it's in a gross frame. Mm. So, like, it's a gross looking album cover. Mm, mm. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a good one. For anyone that doesn't know, it's just like, uh, what would you call it? It's like an abstract art type like yeah modern I, th art I think four thing. was always the best one it looks like a did. scrapbook oh four is beautiful four with is the great. man with like the yeah, sticks yeah, on his yeah, yeah exactly they, they really got into their branding after four I they think. did they did i mean i, I they got the symbols and yeah everything. i didn't think two was particularly nice it was just very like sepia toned washed out with that yeah weird them in front it looks like a war yeah. propaganda poster yeah and one was a bit lazy I mean, that was, like that's just the hindenburg that was 1969 and jimmy page produced that yeah. that's pretty crazy you know isn't that weird though that like when was the Hindenburg disaster that would have been 20 late mm, Hindenburg hang on let's see uh ah okay no I was completely wrong it was 1937 so there you go so that was um, 30 years beforehand that's like 32 it, years beforehand yeah a lot of people died 30, 36 a lot of people died that's like in 10 with years with the one ground fatality yeah Man, can you imagine being that dude on the ground? Yep. How awful. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. Run, run, yeah. run, run, run. Yeah. But, like, that's putting, like, 9 11 mm. on an album cover in 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Which I can actually see happening now that I think about I, it. I feel like maybe someone did that and got a lot of backlash. In yeah. Terms of name or something. I can imagine. Yeah. But, um,. Getting back to this. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Getting dark and political. For yeah. Going I mean, but, but this is interesting as well because I was. A very big classic rock fan, mm, you know. Yeah. Uh, was my, like, my first concert was ACDC. Oh, was, yeah. Jealous. 
It was, I'm jealous. Looking back, it was a bad concert. Yeah, that's that's a shame. Just because there was no like after having good concerts, mm. there's no audience interaction. It's essentially these just like multi millionaires mm. going up on stage playing like fairly easy songs mm. with like big set pieces, and yeah. they're old. And all right, just worst like, concert you've ever been to. Worst concert. And oh, if it's that man, one, is, it's okay. <laughs> it might actually be that one because if mm. I think like sort of money value like I've been to a bunch of pub gigs and mm. like sort of crappy indie bands and mm. stuff like mm. that and it's like I would never you know a $20 head charge I'm never gonna come no I'm talking like, like good acts that you deliberately were like I wanna see this this will be and good then and crap. then you were horribly let down yeah, and you're I, like I will never like you again mm. <laughs> crushed um, dreams no yeah it probably would have been mm. ACDC I think a lot of the people that I go see live, I, I've seen live mm. online before and I know yeah. they're good. And ACDC yeah. was my first one. And I was just obsessed with them. Mm. And yeah, huge stadium, no mm. crowd interaction. Mm. It was just like Brian Johnson occasionally being like, now we're going to do Back in Black. And then mm. they'll play Back in Black and it's like, now we're going to do a whole lot of Rosie. And then yeah. they'll play a whole lot of Rosie. Yeah. And all these people in the crowd would just have like their devil horns uh, up. And yeah, you're okay. like, there's no... You're like, come on. Yeah, and it's I like that same stadium. I saw yep. Justin Timberlake several years later. Which stadium was this? Eddie Hat. Oh yeah, 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 okay, yeah. And uh, he was amazing. Yeah, and he was like talking to people who had like like it was obviously a very rehearsed show because mm. it's Justin Timberlake, but there were like people with signs, and he was like talking about oh, the signs, cool. cool. and then like talking about the people yeah, in the crowd, yeah, yeah. and then talking about like the rest of the tour and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. It's he had probably done a lot of research to sort of mm. boost that interaction okay. or like practice it a lot but then mm. yeah ACDC was just it was just nothing that's a shame even Iron Maiden I saw them and yeah they wow were, they okay. were very active and they were just like headlining a festival yeah and my my worst concert was uh, it's hard too because I love both these performers so much but I also understand why one was Bob Dylan uh, he would be he was just a bit grumpy yeah, he's, <laughs> he's too big for himself he, like, he did about three or four songs on guitar and then I'm pretty sure he put the guitar down went to the piano and was like ah, I just want to you know. and then everyone was kind of like play more on guitar and he's like I've got arthritis shut up and it was like <laughs> and it was just like oh okay you know yeah. it's kind of like he was like, I'm here because I have to be, not because I want to be, was the kind of the feel. Yeah, the fact where he's just like, I have arthritis, shut up. It's just yeah. like, why didn't you pay someone to play piano and then you just sing or exactly. something? Like, exactly. Why did you even go on tour if you have arthritis and not playing? Yeah. Like, and, and the other one, it was still a great concert. It was just, it was a bit like, you know, I don't know, he was just getting older. Mm. Uh, it was B.B. King. Oh, yeah. The guitar work was great. It was still really awesome, but it was almost like... They they had the house lights up the whole time because oh. BB can't so much see so well <laughs> in the dark at this point. You know, he was like 80-something yeah. at that point, like 84, 86, I think. This was just like a couple years before he went to hospice too. Um, and, you He's know. a big boy. The yeah. Fact that he made and he was sitting there. Well, it was funny. He was doing the 80s he was doing the thrill is gone. Mm. He forgot the words. <laughs> and he's just like. Bless him. And then he was just like. All right, I gotta turn around. Uh, guitar, you know, it was just like, and it was great. Like, don't get me wrong, I loved it. I just went. Oh, it's a bit of a shame that I was so stoked for this, and he kind of just forgot. Yeah, some is, of it. A a another one, which was a great concert, but was just really interesting because it was like right before they blew up again. Was remember when Maroon Five 
right before they came out with like payphone and all those uh, things that like yeah, launched them into the yeah, stratosphere. They were, a bit more like like they were like rocky they were rock that. and pop, you know. Yeah. And they did like their 2010 album. I think it was overexposed or something. And they had like songs like misery, you know that. Uh, I'm not going to sing it because of cover it. But yeah, yeah, they had those yeah. things in there. And then I went and saw them in 2011, and it was in Rod Laver, and they had the floor and the first sort of few rows of the stands, and then the entire second upper deck was empty like they had oh. they had big black tarps over it so it was only at maybe like two-thirds capacity God damn. and then the next year they played i think it was three nights in a row at rod laver sold out Jeez. because of payphone and i just went wow That's that is marketing you know yeah. um, um and i think like well going back to sort of like how it defines personality as well i think mm. like marketing is such like oh yeah i think it's genius whoever's like a musical mm. marketer oh, yeah. for those labels mm. it just has to know everybody so well and it's mm. like you can mm. just shove whatever you want down people's throats and if it relates just enough they'll explode or it's like you can make some you can make anyone yeah. explode at that stage yeah. but like it's I don't know I, I find it a little weird sometimes I was mm. having this discussion with my friend um, and we are talking about like boy bands or something like that oh, yeah. and I was like I find the managerial side of it really gross because mm. it's like someone in an office somewhere potentially a group of like really mm. old probably rich white dudes are sitting mm. down and talking about what young girls are going to find attractive and then yeah i mean know, like that, it's creepy i mean that's where that you know uh, we talk about this in the the film and the television i guess the acting industry mm. of like it's called show business not show art yeah and if it was about the art it would just be about the art yeah. and maybe the business side would just be a complete mess you know it's kind of the necessary evil it's unfortunate that it exists but it's also part of it but i i, I agree with you i don't really enjoy that idea that someone's out there trying to or you know like people sign a record contract and they're told, okay, you got to do three to five albums let's say and they're like great i want to do this and they go no 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 we want you to do this and they end up kind of becoming slaves to it. Maybe they make some great stuff, but then when you finally see them get out of that contract, they go in a completely different direction. Yeah. Like, I mean... Frank Ocean had that. I'm yeah. a massive John Mayer fan too. You look mm. at what he did when he got out of that last contract. You know, he went from battle studies into born and raised in like a very different like Americana folk country yeah. sort of Western thing, which was some great songs, you know, but didn't appeal to a lot of his audience. So he did bring in a new audience and now yeah. he's changed it again with like the the new wave yeah. and stuff like that and i think again going back to because i because i do really want to sort of bring it back to this idea of why do we choose certain types of music mm. because there is so much music out there and i think a lot of people in today's world like when you have those conversations with people about oh what type of music do you like i'm pretty sure nine times out of ten the general thing is oh, i like a bit of everything yeah right? yeah like and I don't think that's people just saying that. I think it's just very hard to kind of like whittle down. Like people don't commit to a genre anymore unless it's a very specific thing yeah, like metal heads or have, something. Like that's it. When I was in high school going back to sort of like being obsessed with Led Zeppelin mm. and sort of a lot of offshoots of people that like, mm. and I was obsessed with Jack White and all his projects yeah. because he was also sort of like in that vein of like, mm. I'm, mm. I'm a real rock and roll artist in a yeah. world of, fake stuff and blah 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 and mm, I was mm. so obsessed with that and that like defined my personality yeah, and then yeah, I didn't yeah. listen to pop music or yeah. 
dance music or any alternative stuff or didn't even seek out something that I would mm. like in that mm. genre because I was like, this defines me. I'm mm. the rock dude. And mm. I would wear like a leather jacket and like I aviators, did the same thing. aviators yeah. everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, oh. You know what I had? This is, this is my fashion sense. This is awful. I had Von Dutch sneakers which had flying eyeballs on the back of them. Mm. I had jeans which were far too big for me that would literally get so torn up. Uh, I had a giant Rolling Stones t-shirt with the giant tongue on it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this hurts. Then I had a my dad's tan suede no. tassel jacket. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's a pretty cool jacket, but... Yeah, I like that. now now you can wear it in yeah. sort of like a sub-ironic way, yeah, but I like had, back I, then you thought it was I like, thought it was I'm rock the and tits, yeah. you know. Um, I had that plus like three-quarter length hair. I was baby-faced, so I looked like kind of Jennifer Lawrence going through puberty. <laughs> yeah. And then I had it, I'm not even kidding myself, this, this is the most embarrassing part of the whole thing. I don't even know how to describe what this thing is. It was like taupe-coloured, but it was like like a tartan-style taupe fedora. By Quicksilver. Uh, I hate it. I hate and it. And I would I wear it everywhere, it. every weekend. I'm not <laughs> even kidding. I went to the football in this thing uh, with my mate Ian. And I remember one time we walked out. It was like the second quarter or something went up there. Some lady's sitting in one of those private boxes. She sees me and she's like, hey. And I was like, yeah. And I turn around. She's like, cool jacket. And I was like, I know. And just turn around. Uh, I was that caught no. up in like how cool I was. Yeah, and you thought she was being genuine as but, well. But you know what's funny? I look back on it now and I go, I, I thought she was being genuine. But what's even funnier about that is if she was trying to take the piss out of me, I I was just like, no, nah, I look cool. <laughs> so <laughs> joke completely backfired. Uh, no. And I look back at it now and I'm like, oh, I looked so strange yeah i had and i was probably uh, all of about five foot two you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's weird little, rock and roll yeah yeah the, you know? uh yeah i had these like skinny jeans that were like bleached to sort of like oh god sort of yeah. like down the center they almost look like jeans. tiger stripey type things oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was oh and i wore mm. those way too often yeah. and yeah i that was the thing i would get like uh compliment mm. it's there's some quotation marks going mm. on around that and it yeah they, they weren't it was people just nah. be pointing them out and being like mm. that's weird and you're 13 what mm. it like that's you're you're not aware enough to know that that would be dumb uh, well, it's like back in the day when you thought converse sneakers were cool yeah like people who still wear converse sneakers i'm like all right good we, for we've got to talk though yeah 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 like good for you you've got a thing going but i'm also like you're not 13 anymore and at a My Chemical Romance concert. Like, grow up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What does this turn into? It's yeah. just like, if you're wearing Converse <laughs> shoes and like three-quarter pocket pants, yeah. like, it just... There's going to be a lot of people yeah. out there listening to the podcast right now who just, <laughs> just looking half down, going, oh, <laughs> They're just like, you know no. what? F these guys. Yeah. But but again, this, this comes back to this thing of classical rock like i and that, that was it it was all yeah. defined by what you listened exactly. to which was weird like i was a massive beatles fan massive like, i was i'm still big into all these bands the who yeah. was my biggest and bubba o'reilly love it you know um these sorts of things and as time went on it started to evolve like the rolling stones too and it started to evolve from that into you know i had my emo -y sort of phase too mm -hmm. you my chemical yeah. romance 30 seconds to mars there's a very particular affinity in my heart for some reason 
some of the best moments I ever had growing up with my dad was us sitting listening to Thirty Seconds to Mars. That's a weird thing to listen. It is to weird. With your dad. You know That's what? You know what it is though. It's because we used to listen to Zappa together, and I don't think it's because Dad necessarily was like, "I like this band." He was just making an effort. He just liked you. Yeah, yeah, you know. But like we would just sit there and we would listen to it and he'd be like, oh, I like this. And it was, it's so touching. It it makes me very emotional to think about. Well, I think that's like, uh, like you said before, people used to be defined by their genre Mm. and they'll be like, I'm a disco person. I'm Mm. a rock and roll person. Mm. I'm a metalhead, blah, blah. Mm. And like, that's not an attractive personality trait now. No. I don't think... I'm not sure if it ever was. No. But it just nowadays shows that you're sort of closed-minded. Well, I think that's... Like yeah, to, yeah. you like to feel safe in your own little bubble. I think, yeah, it's, today's sort of world is so... I mean, largely, uh, I'd like to think, is largely open-minded. And so different music different tracks, yeah. different ways of thinking. And if you hear someone be like, oh, there's no good music, like, popular music isn't mm. good anymore, you're just like, you just don't look for it. Yeah, like, anyone that's caught up in that very insular mindset, I think is largely harboring some sort of closed-mindedness to just the modern world in general. Yeah, like, I used to pish-posh people like Kanye. Yeah. And then I listened to it, yeah. and I was like, whoa, this is produced, like, you know, take the personality out of it. Yeah. Like a lot of people just go, Ew, it's Kanye. Yeah. I don't want to listen to it. But then you're like, oh, he's using like Ella Fitzgerald and like Al Green samples yeah. and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, there's this soul backing and then that makes you want to listen to the soul Touch music. The sky. And then you respect yeah. Yeah, Curtis Mayfield. Yeah, and yeah. then you'd go, oh, this guy, mm. this guy's cool. I like the mm. music that he listens to. Yeah. And then he's, you know, put his own flavor and story on it. I, and then I yeah. think... Frank Ocean broke it for me because that's terrific. Yeah, I, he was, he's fantastic. He's so popular, and like it mm, was when mm. Channel Orange came out and Think About You yeah, was, was yeah. all over the radio. Forrest Gump, yeah, which is a perfect segue, but I'm going to leave it till yeah. later into the movie Forrest uh, Gump. But well, but to go on this point that you're talking about with, with the music stuff again, I was like, this is jazz. These are jazz chords. Exactly. Like, this yeah. Is, yeah. And yeah. And you see, you know, YouTube channels like Charles Cornell, he breaks it all down, you know, like mm. modern composer songs. Like he does one on uh, Harry Styles' new song, Adore You. And he says, oh, that's relatively simple in structure. So it doesn't really stand it to, from a musicianship standpoint, mm. but it's still a great song for a lot of people. Yeah. And then he breaks down the Dua Lipa's, um, uh, her new song, Don't, uh, don't Start. 180. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, it's not called Don't Stop Me Now. No. I, I don't know. (laughs) It's not that. It's on my phone. I love it. It's great. But he breaks it down and it's got a bunch of different jazz chords in it. And he's like, Mm. from a musicianship standpoint, this is amazing. And I think, because we both have a musical background too, you sort of approach music from a fan perspective, but you also approach it from like a, I'm not just a consumer, I'm also a fellow musician. So I have an opinion you'll hear something about and how you're it's just composed, like, oh, yeah. that's cool. And then they'll do something that you like mm. respect, which yeah. is weird. Mm. Like it's from, mm. and then you can still like not like the music, but mm. then go like, I love what they did there. And I love how that's a throwback mm. to blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and I think what really bothers me again is in today's world, if like, if someone says, Oh, I love this person. You're like, yeah, I don't really like them. You're not saying you don't like the music. You're not saying you don't like the person. You're just saying it doesn't really do it for you. But a lot of people take it as like, how dare you? How could you not like this song or this mm. song? Or this? It's like, whoa, 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 I might love that song. Like, I might not be 
the biggest Beyonce fan, but I respect her as a musician and as a person, everything she does. And I oh, also yeah, like absolutely. things like Single Ladies is a great song. Love on Top, I enjoy that. This is every every you know, time I come into the studio, there's just like Beyonce pumping and you see me coming in, you're like, yeah. oh, no, 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 turn it down, turn it But But, you know, like that's just one example. It's the same thing with like hip hop, you know, like I love old school hip hop, but there's still some great modern hip hop too. Yeah. It's like I love country music. They don't necessarily they're not genres yeah. that talk to it's, each other. You like most people will be able to find something they mm. like in multiple genres. And like I a think great being artist, able to yeah. define that mm. says a lot about your personality mm. as well. So if somebody goes like Exactly. Oh, do you like oh oh I like rap music mm. and then you know, it's because you're across the board mm. on mm. so many things, mm. if that person's like even if you just speak to someone mm. who just listens to rap music, yeah. you can then chat to them about yeah. You know, say you're a big, like, um, what's a, like a J. Cole fan or yeah. something like that. And mm. then it's like, if they're talking about someone that you don't know, yeah. um, and then, you know, hopefully they throw over the question or mm. you can just be like, oh, I don't know. I'd like yeah. to yeah. hear that. Uh, I'm actually a big J. Cole fan. And then you're mm. talking about if that guy's a rap person, he probably mm. knows that guy. Mm. And then, mm. then you're like, you've created this dialogue and mm. then you're not just like, I'm a rock and roll guy. I don't listen to rap. Yeah, and, and I think there is a lot of a sort of a disillusionment in modern music today. I know I've sort of felt that sometimes when I listen to, you know, modern day pop music. And it's not because it's it's bad or anything. Mm. It's because, at least for me, I don't know if you share this too, but when you get into that classical rock and you listen to it, yes, there's a lot of those great instruments and the solos are awesome and all that sort of stuff. But there was so much meaning in the lyrics and the text. And, you know, especially things like Led Zeppelin, they're singing and talking about like incredibly interesting and deep issues. Yeah. And like soul is like an extension of emotions just put into, you know, music and, and words, you know, same things with like Motown and you're getting different cultural impacts, you know, like I love gospel music. Mm. I'm not necessarily religious, but there's so much meaning and just yeah, passion life behind and passion and, and vivacity, uh, if that's even a word, in, in the text. And then even if something is vapid, like mm. if something doesn't have a lot of meaning... But it's got a good beat. Yeah, you, know? you, can, yeah. you can still... In, you don't have to take a moral high ground and be mm. like, oh, I don't listen to mm. this because like, yeah, it just has no meaning. It's just yeah. there to be pumped in yeah. the club. And you're like, yeah, that's it. And it hypes you yeah. up like... Whenever I'm feeling like just adrenaline is top, like mm, something mm. good's really happened mm, or mm. like my energy's just really up or I'm trying to hype myself up to go mm, out. Mm. Uh, the classic um, DJ Khaled's All I Do Is Win. Yeah, I love like, that. That's that great. song gets you going immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And it's just like, it is the cheesiest, yeah. dumbest song but ever. That, but but that's like, like, you know, we all like songs like that too. Yeah. You know, like, uh, what is it? Um, Dragist Honest Day or wh whatever it is, that um, Numa Numa song. Oh. <laughs> you know, like, everyone gets around yeah. it. You know, I was thinking about the other day that, that old song. Um, uh, like remember the crazy frog god that was an old oh, song that yeah. has no relevance but every now and then someone puts it on just to piss you off but then you all end up singing it anyway isn't that like the beverly hills cop theme or something Probably, like that? it's a yeah. theme from something and then mm. they just added in a sample of it going like it's just like anyway let's get off that because that that yeah. giving me ptsd flashbacks <laughs> that right was now. a ringtone and oh, then god. like off and they made like a Napster video and, and like, then uh, Genius! <laughs> Whoever did that mm. is like, there's mm. a millionaire in this world. Somebody's yeah. sending their kids to probably like an a Ivy League, probably college. a billionaire. Yeah. Let's, let's be real. Somebody's sending their yeah. kids to like an Ivy mm. League college, mm. 
from Crazy Frog. But this someone's is driving a Porsche yeah, yeah. because of Crazy Frog. Yeah. I mean, this this is the other thing too. We look at modern music today as the world has obviously. I mean, and I think again, these insular. I identify myself by this movement, this music, this music, this music is great. But it was also very indicative of a time period when mm. the world wasn't as connected as it is now. Now, obviously, we have the internet. You can do yeah. anything from anywhere in the moment. Like you can make a song that. with someone through and an never app. Meet them. On the other side of the world, you know, right. and, and it doesn't even have to be in a producer's studio where like you're calling in. It's just like, are you go on an app. Oh, I've got a microphone. I'll yeah, you know, suddenly you're like making a tune with someone from India and someone from Romania and someone from Chile, and suddenly you've got these three very unique voices to add into your own thing. You might have, you know, they might be really into, you know, like a completely different type of music than where they're from, mm. but they also have that cultural heritage and that can feed in. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's what makes these great songs. I, I didn't think about that because that, you know, speaking about how people aren't like single genre people mm. anymore, mm. It, it probably has a lot to do with that. The mm. fact that, you know, you're absorbing so much more media yeah. and you're hearing probably more stuff like people your age, uh, mm. you're getting pitched things directly to you and yeah. your demographic and your sort of like corner or your yeah. you know your vibe gets thrown at you a lot more by a lot more people instead of just like turning on the music channel and being yeah. like like what, what was, was watching it? rage yeah <laughs> rage or v yeah was it? v yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'll yeah, be yeah. like this is the hot new track this is so cool and then if you don't think it's so cool you're just like it's why crap. shows like countdown and you know things like yeah. that don't exist anymore because it's the moment that song comes out, you can just subscribe to that artist. You know. So by the time yeah. that that person gets on TV, you're like, I've already heard this song six months ago. <laughs> you know, I heard it six hours ago. It's old. It's like Yeah, it's like I'll see him live in concert, but yeah. why would I just want to watch him on TV? You, you know, like, now they go on talk shows and it's more about like, even if they're just performing, you know, it's so you can see them, so you can see what they like, see how they sort of interact or you see them on the yeah. show talking so you get an idea of it's who the they are or what the band is, you know. And, and, you know, it, it factors into this thing as well of like, and I think this is really interesting from the perspective of when you're developing as a young person, as a young man, a young woman, just a young person in general, um, how, like, what, you know, you, you have those social values and the way you're raised and the parents and all that sort of stuff. And that will, to some degree, like, let's say, you know, you're filling up your, your water bottle of, of who you are as a person, your personality. Mm. But there is so much that is still left up to you. For example, myself as a young man growing up, yes, I listened to a lot of classical rock and everything, but the people that started standing out to me in terms of music and in terms of movies that I was really attracted mm -hmm. to, I'm a very big Prince fan. Yeah. I love Prince. One, I love the music. The music is incredible, but, but I also love. Yeah, he's an he was an incredible person. Yes, he you know later in life became I think was a Jehovah's Witness and everything. Really, but I he was you. so incredibly sexual and unique, just and like an eclectic he, force. Yeah, but he was like yeah, he'd walk into a room and there was just this energy and this magnetism about him. You know, he was on stage wearing androgynous style clothing and being all preened and yet having so much charisma and charm that. You know, women wanted to be with him, men wanted to be him, sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, like, which is so weird because it's just like, oh, that's not what I get told. Exactly, like you know, women and want or exactly, and I, I think especially, you know, in Australia where we where we're doing this thing, you know, earlier than now, we had still, and even in still today's modern society, we have 
those very traditional ideas of you know uh, male type personalities and female type personalities but they don't they're, they're not relevant yeah. anymore you, you, you know some people prescribe to them and that's your own choice but you can honestly be whatever you want yeah. and we're seeing that with it's, you know the movements in the last couple of years it's you know? interesting taking yeah because going you're a fan of someone's music and then mm. being a fan of their personality mm. is and then adopting parts of their personality as much as you do their mm. music like you were saying you mm. know when you would wear sort of the more rock and roll yeah. outfit yeah. Like and you got that compliment and you're like ah oh, I know yeah. like a, like trying to pull off like a cool Han Solo vibe or I've something like that. I've got forty licks emblazoned across my yeah. across my chest and I'm like I am the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah. and it's like yeah. it, and that is probably taken from because you go like oh how does a you know rock stars are cool mm-hmm. they get like they're living yeah. a life that I sort of idolize yeah. this is how they act that's how you act to. Yeah achieve that level of success yeah i mean that was very much a roger daltrey thing for me he used Mm. to rock a tassel jacket with no shirt i was just (laughs) 15 and it wasn't appropriate for a child to be walking around (laughs) with nothing but a jacket you You just got to dedicate to the craft that's why you didn't make it in the rock industry ah well you know (laughs) to to be fair i i i went in a different direction i think it was a good choice but 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 you know again this is that thing of prince was one big one for Mm. me jeff buckley was another big one for me uh, and sometimes I say Jeff Buckley and people are like, oh, sad boy. It's like, yeah. yeah, but amazing voice, beautiful messages, you know, incredibly insular and introverted mm. in, in how he would sing about things. John Mayer too, beautiful yeah. ideas of, uh, and those two artists, and I think the sign of a great artist is their ability to take something which is, feels so unique to one person, you know, and make it applicable to everyone. You yeah. listen to those songs and you're like, you're describing exactly how I feel right now. That mm, is amazing. Absolutely. You know, and uh, even Russell Brand, when I was like 18, 19, and everybody it was has really a Russell hitting, Brand yeah, phase. Yeah, and just and like, he's was, saying the truth. Well, like, Look no, no, no. This was before he was like, you know, doing his blogs and everything. This was like yeah. when he was on there and he's like, all right, so like, hello everyone, and all that sort of stuff. And he was just so charming. Yeah. And so just, and I was like, yeah, I don't want to be that footy guy that's like, yeah, g'day, how you going? I want yeah. to be that kind of, so kind of cavalier, my own form of masculinity. The which person is like that, yeah. And charming it's, and, you know, yeah. That's it. There's like... Why prescribe or, to, again, to something Again, Russell Brand is fit. like this very like sexual force as well. And mm. you go like, oh, women would love him. Mm. But then at the same time, he's, you know, like you wouldn't, mm. he doesn't play off these sort of like, oh, he's mm. a cool sort of like straight, you know, yeah, it doesn't give off straight vibes. No, no. Uh, but in that sense, you're just like, man, but he's probably a chick magnet. And then, exactly. Whereas he's the type of guy that would like walk in the room and be like, oh, I'm going to make out with your mum and your dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. But I mean, this, and this is the thing, you know, when you talk about idols growing mm. up, like I always think back and I go, even when I just said all that stuff about, you know, Russell Brands, your Princes, your Jeff Buckleys, your John Mayers, your all that sort of stuff. The people whose music I loved and personalities I thought were really cool, I didn't really idolize any of them. Mm. The only idol or the person I looked up to when I was younger was uh, my mum, my dad, you know, my dad especially because he was the main male figure in my life, but my mum, my dad, and movie characters. Yeah, transition. Transition, you know. Um, The reason why was because... And you might say it's kind of funny in this sense. Movie characters, to me, I I think of my my upbringing as being like I had a great upbringing. We all have you know difficult times. We all have great times. 
and what I didn't learn from my family and my family friends and, and what I didn't learn from school and basic society, you know, and the media, mm. the media, yeah. uh, I learned from movies. Yeah, because the, the media obviously pitches a very safe idea of like mm. moral high ground exactly. and sort of like what's, yeah. you know, whatever they decide is sort of like what you should be prioritizing, like what you think about. Mm, mm. Uh, whereas movies, it mm. can be a lot more introspective or yeah. like you can choose like everyone like in a good film at least is mm. flawed in some way. So yeah. it's like, and then it's interesting who you choose out of those mm. to be your sort of idol. Mm. And obviously main characters get made main characters because they're meant mm. to be the most relatable ones. Mm, mm. But then, yeah, idolizing people either regardless of that mm. or even like different characters in that story. Mm. And mm. when you when you can do that, that normally means it's a good film. Like I... exactly. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I would idolize people in like in films when I saw Gatsby mm. uh, when that came out. And it's like I'd read the book and stuff like that. I think it may I may have read the book because I knew Baz Luhrmann's Gatsby. Just clarify. Yeah, yeah, yep, uh, not the twenties yep. one. Mm-hmm. But um, it was really interesting because I started to idolize that idea of like the person that just like worked really hard and then got super rich, even though I did the same thing. Even though he's an inherently flawed character, and that's part of his—that's part of his character flaw—and it's just like he got rich to try win over this girl who would have loved him anyway, and the fact that he tried so hard was what ended up destroying him in the end, and he didn't even need to be rich or something like that. And uh, but at the same time, I was just like, oh, here are the things that I Mm. idolize about that. Like Mm. I idolize like his priority on like workflow and like a lot of his um not just being like look at all the stuff he has it's also a visionary and it was just yeah and he was like came from nothing made yeah. something up and then he would like host events and things mm. like that and, and he wouldn't even go yeah because it wasn't about that it was yeah. just i want this one person to turn yeah up. and i, I want that lovely so romantic yeah, yeah. But bits about but that, toxic. I, yeah, I like yeah. took out, and it wasn't just like I want to be Jay Gatsby. It's mm. like oh, I want to have like that charisma. Mm. I want to like be able to gather all these people around me. It was mm. sort of like this layer deeper. Mm. Did you? Well, yeah. What was yeah? What was your? I mean, well, isn't that interesting? Because like we derive our own meaning from yeah films. Yeah. You know, you and I could watch the same film and come away with very different opinions or even the same ones Mm. we could love the same character we could hate the same character that sort of thing um what i think is really interesting is and i you see memes about it and memes you know they make that they make humorous references to things that i think are are, are very personal on a very real level they take something which is very deep and like let's make it trivial yeah and like obviously there's all jokes come from a true place all good ones at least but you know there's there's that great point of like you see uh, you know, the, the meme of like when you're a kid and you watch a Disney film and you're like, yeah, go like the Emperor's New Groove and you're like, go yeah. Cusco and he's like a llama and everything, you know, and you're like, yeah. yeah. And then when you watch it again as an adult, you're like, I totally get why that woman wants to kill that guy. <laughs> you know, like like you relate differently. And, I, and again, that comes down into the more dramatic interpretation, which is when you're younger, you identify with the hero because you're kind of made to by the way the narrative works yeah and when you get older and you become more aware that you can actually formulate your own decisions you don't have to buy into the narrative being given to you you start to identify with the villain well yeah that was it even from a kid 
I always liked the villains mm. so much more because they mm. were always so much more ambitious. Yeah. The heroes things just seemed to happen to them. Yeah. Where the villains were always just like, I'm trying to change yeah. something about going out. Like, yeah. I think you know what a great example of that is, just quickly? The Incredibles. Oh, With Syndrome. Yeah. Who's yeah. like wants to be Mr. Incredible sidekick, Incredible Boy, and then he kind of gets kicked to the. I'm um, a spoiler alert, but then he goes on to become Syndrome, and it's like you know, isn't that just so interesting? Of like you go, wow, that guy like was burnt by this thing, and when I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna go and be like, oh, sad. I'm gonna go and make something of myself. I, yeah, I, th- I yes. think a lot of like that's the best part of sort of a villain story. I think. I think if you carry through like familiarizing yourself mm. with them through the entire film then you're yeah. probably stuffed up a little bit there yeah but yeah. Uh, it becomes a little dark yeah at some point. Yeah. yeah the uh you know it's sort of the starting stages and that's what makes a villain relatable like mm. that's mm. why people liked thanos i yeah. really liked scar i remember yeah. in lion king because he also had the best song yeah in that film fight me uh <laughs> but yeah and just the fact that he was like organizing this whole yeah, thing because yeah. he was sort of screwed out like mm. just um because he was like less physically fit mm. and you know of his circumstances and then he ended up rising up and then it's like mm. you know obviously he screwed everything up mm. but it's like before that you're like oh good on him mm. <laughs> but <laughs> he's, he's yeah, very ambitious yeah. it's also this other thing of uh i saw this recently um uh, Hakuna Matata, you know, by yeah. uh, Timon and Pumbaa, was just uh, an elaborate ruse to get Simba not to eat them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's literally that's... what it was. They're just like, ah, let's teach them about bugs, yeah, and then he yeah, won't yeah, kill yeah. us. Uh, and isn't that interesting? Manipulation. Yeah, yeah. From but a young age as well. And exactly. They, yeah, yeah. While he yeah, grew yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. This isn't where but I thought I was going. I know, but but I mean, this is the thing, you know. Like, I like I. There's the kid in me, and as an actor, goes, oh, I want to play the hero. I want to be a superhero. I've always wanted to be a superhero. That would be amazing. I'd love yeah. that. And at the same time, I go, I want to be a villain. Yeah. I want to be a really good villain. Because, and it's like that thing you said heroes, things happen to them. It's interesting when you get into film studies and cinematic structure, um, the, the hero is kind of held to this moral compass of they are the straight line directive that they can be pulled off their narrative, but they still maintain the same direction, which is that they can be pulled to the right or the left and deviate, but they're always still going forward. Yeah. So they will adjust. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it always comes back to the overall goal as for villains and and supporting characters you know the hero yeah, is the beacon like, of of moral righteousness and good the villain is that thing of like you know no villain goes i am the villain you know yeah. a, a villain a sees themselves as their yeah. own hero you know yeah. and and they become so consumed by their goal or their desire or their dream or their their thing that they're working towards that they don't see themselves descend into that anarchy. They believe yeah. what they're fighting for is the right thing, and they have the ambition to make it happen. But so they get all the character traits, and that's why we see them in films of, you know, we see them struggle, and they get angry and sad and frustrated and joyful, and they have so much more emotional, complex human yeah. range than the hero who's just like, great, I yeah. will stop you. You will not defeat me. Yeah. I am struggling with something, but now I will defeat you. That's what I didn't like about Harry Potter as well. Yeah. Like, I naturally, after this conversation, mm. forget that I was in Slytherin in every single, like, test that I've done. And 
it's annoying because they Slytherin gets a bad rap. Absolutely, they get listed as like one of the traits is you're totally a bad ambitious. guy. Ambitious. <laughs> it's it's yeah, the it's yeah. the dark hair. Like, it just yeah. comes with dark hair and yeah. pale skin. But um, yeah, they get listed as ambitious, mm. and that's as if that's like a bad thing. Yeah, and it's, it's like not. oh, conniving or something like that. And yeah. it's like that's just another word for someone that plans. Cunning like, also just means you're intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> And, it's just and like, then they go Ravenclaw. They're like intelligent. I'm like so cunning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like it's mm. cunning, but nice yeah, cunning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good but, type of cunning. Uh, I always, yeah, I I always found that really strange because villains mm. are like villains, but then mm. at least for the first half of films, mm. they're normally in a very interesting moral gray area mm. in a good mm. film, mm. and I think when that's sort of captured with mm. a hero mm. like if you think like Mad Men mm. especially like season one mm. it's like um, Don Draper is just you know by the end you of think it, he's yeah. a good guy at the start and then you're just like oh and he's cheating on his wife with like two other women and he's you know, breaking spoiler, bad but like he's you know? changed his identity because mm. he like really hates certain people and it's yeah. like you could view him through the like there are villains in that show, oh, but yeah. you could view him through the eyes of someone else, yeah. and then he'd be the villain. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's th- it's so much more interesting. It's like Breaking Bad. You know, you look at Walter White at the start, and you're like, "Ah, oh, is this guy struggling with this thing? He's just trying to do the right thing by his family." And by the end of it, you're like, "Oh my god, look where this is going!" I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but like, you're just yeah. like, "Wow, this is such a turn from where we started." You yeah, know, and, it's like, and and it comes down. If he to, wasn't the focus. He'd probably exactly. be a villain. <laughs> exactly, and it comes down to this thing again of. Uh, what was the point I was going to make? Uh, you, you know, you see this this kind of this thing play out where the the villain is very often not like there's so many iterations of you that people have met. You think about you as a person, right? You mm. get up, you go about your life, and you're like, yeah, I think I'm a pretty good guy. Or you think whatever you think of yourself, fine. That's what you say in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Self affirmations like, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, like when you think about all the people you've met in your life and all the different emotional stages that you've been throughout your day in your life and everything, there will be people that go, oh God, Jordan's such a great guy or Charlie's such a great guy. There'll be people out there that are like, that guy is a dickhead because they just happen to meet you at a time where maybe you were having a bad day or something. Mm -hmm. Like people, like there's, so in some people's minds, you might be the villain. Yeah. And in other people's minds, you might be the hero or the, the person that helps get them through the difficult time. And because everyone's their own hero of their yeah. own story. You know, like, you know, no one's, no one's being like, ah, welcome to my life. It's a villain story. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but uh, yeah, I, I think in a lot of media now, especially mm. like television media, mm. there's there's been a lot of exploring of the moral gray area. Which is great. Yeah. More complex which, narratives. Yeah, and it's yeah. A, like they're people mm. then. They're not just like narrative tools. Mm. They're people that you can relate to mm. because they'll be stuck with hard decisions and then mm. there's not always the like, mm. I'm going to do what's right mm. option. Yeah, and, I, and then they have to deal mm. with like the responsibilities that come after that. And I think mm. TV works really well for that because there's mm. more time to explore I and think, build yeah. up to what those problems could. I mean, this is interesting because become. this is like a recent example I found in in TV and and cinema. You know, we see in those superhero films and some shows, you've got like the very traditional narrative of like the hero, and the hero is like they have emotions but the emotions never get the best of them and they respond to everything with like the perfect moral right yeah. way to do it and they're strong and they're independent you know we hear that thing of like the strong female lead and all that sort of stuff and i'm like great we're also people 
So people have emotions. Yeah. So people need to be able to grapple with complex emotions. That's what makes someone strong. Not the fact that they're like, nothing affects me. I am made of iron. You know, yeah. it's like... Or like, oh, that's a thing mm. that affects me. And now it has furthered my development mm. in this very clear way yeah. that it's like, oh, I've been betrayed. Now I'm mad at that person. And yeah, it's like, like it's this very stereotypical idea, which I think is starting to get called out more and more and more and be dealt with, which is good. But mm. you see... A strong male character seems to default to anger and, like, rage to overcome the obstacle. And a strong female character seems to default to, like, coldness and, like, you know, I will defeat you by being, you know, a a tree that will not be moved. And I'm like, people are strong in so many different ways. And a great example of this was in Money Heist, which is a great series if you haven't seen it. Just the opening three minutes... You know, it, it's focusing on this this young woman who's ex- like giving us a very brief introduction of what she's gone through, and she experiences every single emotion under the sun, like joy, pain, sadness, bitterness, betrayal, anger, fury, and then resolves into you know resilience. Mm. She has to survive because yeah. she has to keep going. And I'm like, that is a strong character. Because that is a real person. Yeah. And Western, I, I just find sometimes Western uh, material gets a little bit bogged down in yeah. A plus B equals C. And I'm like, I mean, let it's, people it's, live. Yeah, you know? it's, it's not as easy to imprint yourself on someone who's a bit grey. Mm. Like and in another terms of mm. moral ambiguity. Like it's true. You can, mm. you know, if there's a hero or something, you can mm. be like, oh, I want to be strong and liked and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it's like mm. very surface level. Mm. But then when it's like... Uh, again, like um, going back to Mad Men, mm. it's like, oh, I want to be successful like Don Draper, mm. but then it's like that obviously means that he avoids his family mm. and then mm. uh, has caused him to be very controlling in mm. a bunch of ways. And mm. then it's like, oh, maybe I don't want to be like that. It's harder. It's mm. a harder thing to. Mm. You can't just attach yourself to someone because yeah. they're they're not a shining light to yeah. follow anymore. And another great example of that too is uh, in The Sinner, season three, you see uh, Matt Bowman's character g- go from being this wonderful kind of shining beacon of humanity into these very dark, gray areas mm. dealing with very complex emotions. And I mean, there's plenty of examples of where they've kind of just gone, okay, you're this type of person now. You're going to play this character. They did it to Daenerys Targaryen. Amelia Clark is an incredible actress. Yeah. And they kind of just started being like, oh, you're going to be it. an evil bitch. And it's like, yeah. what? They were no, like, we love her because she's so complex. Yeah. Not because she's this cold-hearted dragon queen. Yeah, it wasn't like, you know, oh, like they just butch. Like, you could tell exactly when their source material ran out. Yeah. Because they're just like, yeah, like I could totally understand a slow transition to her mm, mm. doing what she did, mm. but the way they did it was mm. just like, oh, she was slighted once, and, yeah. then, and like, now she's uh, yeah. now she is the new ice, yeah, like Night King. Yeah, you know, a couple um, of episodes ago was just like, yeah. oh yeah, I'll like Fuck I, I would never, <laughs> I would never destroy the city, and then yeah. some. A collection, a small collection of bad stuff happened to her, which, in yeah. comparison to what she's dealt with, was oh, nothing. It's so jarring. And then she was like, "Yes, I will burn them all to the ground." It's and like, just yeah. And you see the so interviews where the characters yeah. talk about it after the show and finished, they and, they're, and they're just like, "They're like, what do you think of the ending?" And they're like, "Yeah, look, no comment." You know, or they're like, "Yeah, look, it's good." And you're like, "Yeah, it's it's not." But I mean, and this goes to this point again of we're talking about 
characters that you gravitate towards when you're younger and sometimes mm. there might not be very clear reasons there's emotional reasons like mm. for me i love i think it's probably my favorite film but to me i identified so much with forrest gump not just the film but the character yeah. something about forrest as a kid maybe it was like I'm getting a theme that you are a very isolated child. Well, I am an only child too, you know? And and again, a lot of this is like you be surrounded by love and people being there, but you perpetuate this idea, you know? And, um, you know, yeah, like I wanted to be involved in everything. I wasn't always involved in everything. You know, forest, like the run, forest run, and just the resilience and the going through things and people treating them different. Like the most heartbreaking moment, and again... Oh, spoiler alert. I mean, if you haven't seen... Yeah, if you haven't seen... You've had 26 years, you know. But, um, and it's one of the best films of all time. You know, Robert Zemeckis hits it out of the park. But at the end, when he's like, you know, talking to uh, Jenny about their son, he's like, is he like me? And you realize that the entire time, throughout this entire film since he was a kid, Forrest has not only known he's different, but known you know how other people see him yeah and yet remains so, like and so yet, positive and such a beautiful person and, you know yeah. and like when people treat him differently and they move away from him and he's just there and he's like and you realize that he knew why ah, they did oh, oh, oh right oh, right i so know good. you see and it, get, yeah. it just strikes right on my heart yeah. i can't mm. and and then that's just like uh you think about it and you're like why is there any excuse that I'm just not yeah. that as lovely as he is exactly. to everyone? Exactly. And it, like, if he knew, mm. it, like, you can go, oh, he was blissfully ignorant. He had no mm. idea that people were no. treating him like shit. So yeah. he was just nice to them. And it's like, mm. yeah, he did know. Mm. He, oh yeah, but, he yeah. knew. Yeah. But um, I would like to talk about, uh, I guess, sort of like uh, an almost toxic, mm. idealistic side of movies that I, I definitely feel sometimes because a lot of it i think has to do a lot of it's a very smart mm. marketing ploy mm-hmm. so it it fits in that realm of like they make someone that you want to idolize yeah and then yes. and then attach a bunch Ooh. of stuff to it which is like Nasty. and what i'm getting at is james bond yeah and especially the daniel craig ones because oh, i love those films they're so great they're so good but because the they kind of took them from the the quirkiness into like the real life. It became a li- yeah. little less campy, mm. like um, uh, Sean. Uh, they toned the sexism down and made it more insidious because now it's just part of you know yeah. like the drama. And you're like, yeah. oh, there's this cool like emotionalist guy, but he's like at the height of success, height mm. of physical fitness, and it's like. Mm, yeah, that's already like a thing that you probably. But he kills be. people. But you, know? He, you know, he gets yeah. with the like yeah. super attractive uh, yeah. foreign models and things yeah. like that, and they're just throwing themselves at him after he drops mm-hmm. a few lines mm-hmm. and like drops uh, lines of dialogue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, we but, we don't see that bit on camera. Yeah, <laughs> but um, like, and then that makes you thinking, like, oh. Maybe that is right. Maybe that is the right. Mm. Like, it's the most masculine thing ever, and I'm very aware of mm. it, but it makes mm. you go, maybe that is the key to sort of, like... Uh, absolutely. ...happiness or something. And they dive into it, and they are aware of it, because during, mm. he, like, mm. e- even in Casino Royale, he settles down. Oh, yeah. Because he gets tired mm. of, like, sleeping around and mm. being this mm. big baller. Mm. And then by the end of it, he's, he's killed his wife. <laughs> it's just so dumb. <sighs> just but then they attach all this stuff to it because mm. it's like oh he's doing that 
And then he's driving like an Audi and... No, uh, it's an Aston Martin, Aston Jordan. Martin. Get it right. Oh, <laughs> Actually, um, at Casino Royale, before he goes to... Before they start throwing in the Aston Martin. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's at the Bahamas in like, mm. a, in like a Toyota or mm. something. Mm. And then he wins the Aston yeah. Martin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which again makes you go like, anybody can get it. Yeah. You've just got yeah. to be as cool as him. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, yeah, Aston Martin and then like... The watches and mm. the suits and the We're blah, back blah, to blah, the blah. Amiga Speedmasters, aren't we? Back to... Oh, it's a... Seamaster. Yeah, he's a Seamaster. Oh, excuse me. Um, <laughs> good watch. Good yeah. oh, watch. Oh, I idolized them for years. Yeah. Amiga, sponsor us now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not at all. Never in a million hey, years. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Don't go raining on our parade, Jordan. We run, sponsoring the people We run going a tight operation. <laughs> we run a tight operation. We need them just as much as the moon people need. Yeah. Um, but, and again, continue. I just want to add to this. I would be really interested to, we do another one of these down the line and we, we bring on um, other cinephiles as well, but also yeah. some, some women to talk about this toxic ideal or this toxic sort of stereotypes that they create for female characters too. Even in something like James Bond, yeah. where you have the Bond girl. Yeah, and the every, old ones were notorious for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know, like people would idolize, you know, these these Bond girls like Monica Bellucci and everything. And then you'd also be like, yeah, they're gorgeous, you know, they're badass and everything. But then they'd just be killed yeah. or like turfed out or like just eradicated out of the story. And I'm going, that is not a good Th- message. That was, yeah, one of the selling I'd love to get a woman's opinion like, on that, yeah. Um, or someone that identifies with that again, side of it. Again, in Casino Royale, they had uh, Vespa, who was the Bond girl mm. from that, and then they would, like, the point was that she was like, oh, she's like, she turns him down, she's too good for mm. him, uh, she's smart, she's smarter than him, mm. like, gives all this advice that he doesn't take, and then gets screwed over because of it, and she mm. saves his life, and blah, blah, mm. blah. But then at the end, she just, like, they shove in the regular Bond girl thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, now they're together and yeah. like, and in and love. It, and then yeah. she's doing everything for love. And that's yeah. why she like betrays him. And, yeah. uh, and, and it's kind of like the only strong female character you really see in there is M, which is basically yeah. the message of once you're an old woman, <laughs> you have wisdom and <laughs> yeah. you can be smart. And it's, and, and then you Sorry, can tell, um. then you can tell men what to do. And I'm like, but that is no, you know? yeah. but this is, you know, just one example of these sorts of things. And, that's why I'd love to have some other people on the show to talk yeah. about these things. So if you're interested, yeah, email us, us, and, us and yeah, let's let's go from there. I, I think continue because I'd love to hear also about some some of the people in cinema history or when you were growing up, even in TV, that you were like, yes, I want to be like you, or no, I don't want to uh, be like yeah. you too. So Bond's one of them. Yeah, Bond. I think um, every time I watch a Bond film, especially I think Casino Royale, like I really like that film, but it's afterwards I always feel a little bit depressed Mm. because it's like that was so cool you get all this Mm. adrenaline you Mm. feel really cool and then you sort of look at yourself and regardless of who you are you're not James Bond yeah and then you will feel inadequate Mm. and then that's when you buy the things that he had that's when you feel the need to buy the Aston Martin Mm. that's when you Mm. feel the need to buy the the Seamaster and Mm. that's when Mm. you know you feel like you need to buy a tailored suit Mm. bespoke suit mm. and it's weird it's smart yeah. it's smart and there's a Something reason happens that, to kids you know like yeah. they want to wear the Iron Man suit or they want to wear the Wonder Woman suit you know because yeah. they saw the film and they're like I want to be badass like them you know Tony's so cool yeah. he's got like oh yeah and then people dress exactly like him what I did have a lot of respect for was 
Iron Man started going down that path of you saw how fundamentally flawed he was. Yeah, they they got that good. They they, they, they didn't always handle well, the film that great as well. Like the third one, I liked it. You know, you saw Guy Pearce was a good example mm. of this guy who had a tough upbringing. You know, hit the character he's playing, and then he goes on to become this like amazing, you know, like scientifically like a Elon Musk type sort yeah. of thing. And you know. Um, now he's got a battle against Tony who's dealing with like PTSD and all this yeah. stuff from uh, you know Avengers 1 and it's like wow you know and you start to see and that was nice to see a humanizing because Tony was just a man who made a suit yeah. he wasn't actually a bionic well he was bionic but he wasn't a superhero with celestial powers he was a very very smart person yeah that and managed that puts to, in your brain and you're just like yeah. that's probably why that was such a success because it's just mm. like maybe maybe i could do that like it's just mm. steeped in reality and now iron man one was great oh yeah but like it was so down to earth in the way like in the same way it wasn't but mm. like it's you can totally see that following it you know you get mm. people like elon musking like mm. if he came out with an iron man suit would not i wouldn't be him. shocked yeah i'd be surprised but not shocked <laughs> Elon Musk, if you are working on an Iron Man suit, can you please reveal it to us? Because the space stuff is awesome, and I love it. But if, I really want to see you, you fly around the planet. If you get captured by terrorists and feel like you just you get cornered and you have to make a, uh, a he's gonna need his suit. buddy. He's yeah. gonna need his buddy to help him do the engineering on that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Here's what a soldering problem. iron and some sheet metal. Go yeah. to work, <laughs> and a bit of balsa wood. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the, do I do with uh, this yeah. balsa wood? Bullets. <laughs> um, the, uh, in terms of like people that I idolized mm. as well, oh, I'm struggling to think. I, 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 like really liked DiCaprio in a lot of his roles, mm -hmm. and I think he's in a lot of sort of. Yeah, uh, what could be described as like almost problematic roles, like Catch Me If You Can. Those are the characters he's drawn to as well. Those yeah. characters that are deeply flawed underneath all the yeah. smooth, you know, and that's Shutter it. Island, that, Inception, etc. That's yeah. it. Shutter Island is still one of my favorite movies, Brilliant. and Brilliant. it's like it's a really simple film. Like you can pick the twist from a mile away, but it's a good film. But when it's done well, it's a nice mm, film. Mm, it's Scorsese, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah seeing him in those things where it's like oh he's cool mm. but then deeply like you're watching it unfold and you're like mm. oh this is he's cool but it's coming from a bad place yeah. so it's like i don't know what that says about me whether i'm just like yeah i want to be that cool and uh all right jordan welcome to your therapy session yeah, on, on today's uh, a lot today's out show <laughs> listeners write in if you want to typecast jordan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I always found that really interesting. I always found that very human because everybody's yeah. sort of striving, at least to me, like everybody's striving for some mm. element of success. And mm. then everybody is flawed normally because they're striving for that image mm. of success. I mean, let's and talk about that quickly too, because what's wrong with being flawed, really? Yeah, nothing. We're nothing all fundamentally all. flawed in some way. Our, pers our pursuit of perfection is fundamentally flawed. So if you're like, no, but I'm perfect, you're flawed. If you're trying to be perfect, you're, you're flawed. flawed. <laughs> if you're flawed, you're flawed. You know, <laughs> there is no perfect. I, 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 and you could argue that the only way to be perfect is to accept that you are flawed. Because yeah. then you are accepting that you are perfectly imperfect and that's okay because you are uniquely you. And now Ooh. it is a philosophical <laughs> conversation. I mean, it's like that video it's I sent you the other day with the guy talking about, you know, the bottle and the cap, which yeah. I just want to touch on for a second because yeah. I think this is so great, you know. But um, there's this great video uh, 
of this guy. I, I think maybe it was at a church event or something like that or some kind yeah, of, you know, Yeah, it looked like a motivational kind of, seminar yeah, motivational or something like that. Yeah. Thing. He's talking about, you know, he's got a, a bottle of water and he, he unscrews the cap off it and he puts the cap on the table and he goes... Actually, can we appreciate the fact that he's like one of those over-the-top motivational oh, yeah. guys and it's like yeah. halfway through explaining this metaphor... He's blown away by yeah, himself. He's, yeah. yeah, he's like just so shocked by how prolific he is. Mm. He like puts down the mic. He's like, oh my, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the only way it can get better is if he knew he was going to say that prolific yeah. shit and he's planned it. You know? yeah. um, Which he entirely has. Yeah, he knew. Yeah. Like, but, but this is the great just... thing, you know, he, he sort of talks about when, when we try and give ourselves to another person and, you know, they're, they're not receiving it in the way we intend. We're pouring the entire contents of ourselves into what is the bottle cap mm. and then we get frustrated when we realize well why the hell is it all going in there and it's just ending up on the floor because they don't have the capacity to accept all that you are so you're trying to pour yourself into something which is fundamentally too shallow to be able to hold you and he goes on to say you know it's a thing of you don't need the person to be equal to you they don't have to be just like you and you know able to uh you know able to match you at every twist and turn they just have to have the capacity to be able to hold what you have to give and vice versa you don't have to be them they don't have to be you but you have to be willing to accept and to hold each other for all your uh you know imperfections and and, and i think that works in terms of film characters and people that idolize like sort of very shallow characters or like Mm. get annoyed that they can't fill you know the role of the super cool character on screen is because that is yeah. inherently a very shallow like an hour and a half of seeing that person that's a shallow representation of mm. a person mm. and it's like you will never be able to achieve that mm. because that's not a person mm. that's a character an, uh, yeah that's a character that's an outward image constructed to you know yeah. reach this point by this point yeah. and then the people that you should idolize and it goes for the same for music as well mm, and of it's course. like what you're seeing is what gets given to you and normally mm. that goes through management teams mm, and that mm. gets scripted and oh like yeah the w- people that you should idolize are like you can idolize musicians maybe like just if you know them mm. if you know them personally mm. and then you you know learn a lot about them but idolizing you know people that are grounded or people that you know or people that are close to you or even parts of multiple people mm-hmm. and then just being like oh i want like i want charlie's motivation but then i also want to like work on like oh, i want like geordie's planning skills or something mm. like that and then just hey i have good planning skills yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i, I don't <laughs> i want your planning skills <laughs> but yeah it's continue. like yeah, no, you're um, absolutely right yeah, you you build yourself out of multiple people. I think there's yeah. there's something wrong with like picking one specific person to idolize. Well, of course. I mean, you know, th- then it kind of becomes a thing of everyone wrong. has flaws, and you yeah. you build yourself around them, and then you're like, oh, but that negates is, their flaws. Which is the old "don't meet your heroes." Yeah, thing, because you meet them, and then they're a human, and then mm. you go, oh. Yeah, it's it's also the other thing of don't try and kind of you know build yourself like a builder bear where you're like oh, I'll take a little column A and mm. like like you said I'll have Jordan's planning and I'll have Charlie's motivation and I'll have Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, I, I don't know like suavity your, <laughs> your humbleness and I have Brad Pitt's you know good looks and I, you know this and that and I'll have you know uh, like Gina Davis's smarts like it's it's not 
it 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 doesn't work that way. Yeah. You have what you've got, and and the best way to improve yourself as a person is to just work on yourself and be fascinated with your own journey of self discovery. You know, find the things that you're interested in and investigate them. Don't force yourself to sit down with a psychology course that you're not interested in and bury your head in it because that's not like even if you get through it yeah you'll learn some things but you're not really going to retain a lot of that information or take a lot of those changes it starts from the point of you're interested in a particular topic you go down that path of learning more about it because it's enjoyable and it feels like you're doing something productive not forcing yourself to study something you don't care about and then over time that changes your interests change as you learn from that topic then you go to oh, i want to do this topic and this topic and this topic. and then yeah. before you know it you're doing the things that maybe six months or six weeks or six years earlier you didn't think you'd have an interest in and i think a and lot now of you're consuming it and it's great a lot of the healthy side of that comes from appreciating other people's success. Mm. So if you're like, oh, I want to go, like, I want to have Leonardo DiCaprio's, what was the word you used? Suaveness? Suavity. Suavity. That's not a word, <laughs> but you know. It is now. It is now. But if you want to... A dictionary, according to Charles yeah. and Jordan. If you want that, like, that's that's terrible. Mm. You'll never get that. Yeah. Because you're, you're not Leonardo DiCaprio. But... If you come from the spot of like, oh, I, I love that. I mm. love that about him. I love how smooth he is. Mm. And then mm. it's like, you will instinctually begin to notice that or you'll take little hints that yep. you use or you'll do like a little bit of research mm. and it's like, mm. it'll stop you from being a jealous person full stop. Mm. Just being able to be like, well, I really appreciate that and then learning more about it. Mm. Mm. And that mm. will say so much more about yourself and you yep. will probably get closer to that level of suavity from like okay let's uh, let's stop using the word suavity no no I insist we use it more suavity but yeah you'll end up developing more as a person because of Mm. like because you appreciate it and Mm. you know you probably go oh yeah he he had acting classes from when he was young Mm. probably had like a bunch of speech classes and things like Mm. that but um, oh, but it, uh, I read an interview. He recommended this book, so I bought the book. Mm. And mm. I, I don't expect that to make me like him, and I don't mm. want to be like him. But mm. it's you know, I feel uh, better mm. because of it, mm. or like I'm now above average in sort of like I'm yeah. now like a little yeah, bit yeah, closer yeah. to it, or yeah. I've developed my own idea of yeah. suavity. <laughs> And never gonna live it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then you've developed yourself, and mm. then people will probably look at you and be like, "Oh, how did you do that?" And you're like, "How'd oh, you get all that suavity? Yeah, <laughs> get all the suavity? Wow, suavity course ten well, ninety nine. Right. I think on that note, that's a great place to leave this episode for this week. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this is uh, again another very big topic, and I would really like to do a, do almost like a series on this particular topic with guests and other stuff. Yeah. And, we'll go away and we'll come up with some more reference points and different movies and things that we can sort of discuss. But I think this would be great to uh, leave it here on this one. Next week on the show, we're going to be talking all things kind of next week. Um, Slightly out of pitch, but anyway, Um, but we're going to be uh, talking all things kind of uh, high school, the formative years and how to navigate those changes for yourself as you sort of enter your early adolescence and adulthood. Yeah, and I think a lot of people um, are pretty confused. Uh, especially sort of, in it these gets, times, yeah. Yeah, these times, and it's getting like mid-year now, so mm. a lot of it gets shoved down your throat and you start mm. doing like your exams mm. or people telling you about like next year doing exams mm. or you, know, you might be finishing university soon mm. and mm. then you're just stuck with this like 
impossible goal of the rest of your life yeah um, when so the real choice comes in so mm. yeah i reckon that'd be great to touch on yeah and i think we have an invested interest in it we know people in these age brackets uh, mm. family members friends that sort of stuff uh we are still sort of somewhat in them ourselves and navigating these changes as well so for anyone that might be going through these sorts of times even if you're outside these age brackets you know life is consistently changing um so please pass it along to people uh, tell them to tune in all that sort of stuff uh once again i'm charles jazz terrier and this episode was brought to you by the word suavity <laughs> suavity and i'm jordan roberts and Thank you for joining I us on the yeah. I approve of the suavity. And on that note, uh, thank you and over and out from the stubborn optimist. Gotcha.